helping people cope with and overcome life's challenges. This is Life Transformations with Michael Hart, Canadian Certified Counselor and Award-Winning Psychotherapist. I want to welcome you to this week's episode of the Life Transformation Show. Today, we are going to be unpacking a really important topic for us in Christian circles, and it's the topic of spiritual abuse. And today, um, we will be unpacking this topic and looking at the different forms spiritual abuse can take, the signs you may be in a situation where you are at risk for experiencing spiritual abuse. And if you found yourself in a situation where you've experienced this personally or someone close to you has, what you can do to begin to undo the damage that this um, this can cause to you and in your life. If you've joined us for the first time this week, we want to welcome you to this show. This is a show that we host weekly, and it is presented by Elam Counseling Services. For those of you who don't know, Elam Counseling Services is a professional counseling organization located here in Ottawa, Canada. It is a nonprofit organization, so we really do strive to provide counseling to a variety of individuals and income levels. But to do this, we do rely upon donations. So if this is uh, something that you feel you can contribute to and you've benefited from our counseling services in the past or you've benefited from the show in the past, we encourage you to consider making a donation. For those of you who are faithful listeners, and we know there are many of you out there, we are, get excited every time we get to hear from you on our Facebook page, through email, and our website. We welcome you back again with us. My name is Melissa Waggett, and I am the co-host of the show, and our fearless leader in the room. Um, for those of you who have joined us week after week, you know exactly who I'm talking about. He is an award-winning uh psychotherapist who is registered with the College of Psychotherapists of Ontario. He is the director of Elam Counseling Services, as well as the founder, the one, the only, Michael Hart. And I make this introduction really big because it makes him super uncomfortable because he's actually one of the most humble, modest guys I know. And I am privileged to welcome Michael to this week's episode because he is going to be working with me to hopefully unpack this topic of spiritual abuse with you this week. Thank you very much for that wonderful introduction, Melissa. I must say that that part there about the fearless leader have made me very fearful to, to, start, <laughs> My goal? to start this week's show. So so I, I think it's you're sort of put me behind the eight ball to start here now. Exactly. My goal is to try to make you as uncomfortable as possible <laughs> if I can, because as I said, uh, listeners, Michael is very humble. Um, he is a wealth of knowledge, though he would never put himself out there as the biggest guy, anything like that. He's really humble in his knowledge and he is so wise. And I, as I say, week after week, getting to explore these topics with you, Michael, is such a privilege because I learned something new each and every week and I love the topics that we get to discuss on the show because for me they're so practical absolutely and I think this this topic of about uh overcoming spiritual abuse is a very very important topic and I say that just because uh the the amount of interest that this topic is generating on our Facebook page many people have already commented since the the, the post was posted yesterday and have started sharing about their their experience with spiritual abuse in in their uh 
spiritual organization. And let me say this, I'm not here to bash any church. I'm not here to uh, make anyone feel uncomfortable. We're just talking about something that's a real problem in many of our churches. And the, the abuse are often done by well-intentioned people. Sometimes they're not even aware that what they're doing is abusive to others. But I thought of doing this topic because I saw many people who were coming in to see me who were having post-traumatic stress symptoms because of experiences that they have had at the hand of religious leaders. And I so I think it's very, and not just religious leaders in, the ter- in terms of pastors, uh, senior pastors, but also in terms of youth leaders and cell group leaders. And so I think it's very important for us to understand uh, what spiritual abuse look like and to help to uh, prevent it from taking place in our congregations. And and another reason I'm really excited we're talking about this is sometimes when you think of spiritual abuse, you think of the headline leaning, leading topics on the news, mm-hmm. like the big, what, big, big types of spiritual right, abuse right. where people mm-hmm. are in cult situations, where they're all drinking the Kool-Aid, so to speak. Mm-hmm, but there's mm-hmm. more subtle ways that spiritual abuse can happen, and it's equally harmful. Yes. So I'm wondering if you can begin to unpack for us the types of uh, ways spiritual abuse can manifest in religious circles. I think it might be a good idea if we look at the kind of settings that give rise to spiritual abuse. And there are certain uh, qualities or, or, or characteristics that organizations that are prone to spiritual abuse have. And one of the first, one of the first uh, hallmark of an organization where spiritual abuse is likely to take place, whether it be a church or whether it be a cell group, is where one person has absolute authority or power, and their word is is above what everyone else think and whatever they say is right and the others uh, other opinion doesn't really matter if your opinion differ from what that person who is in the head the leadership position say then it is wrong and so this kind of absolute authority give rise for people to be suppressed and oppressed and for people to be belittled and to to be made to feel that they're they're of no value and their opinions do not count. So when you have that sort of absolute authority in a religious group, then it also gives rise to other problems as well, such as the possibility for financial exploitation or even uh, sexual abuse of the other members. Because even though other members may know that what the the leader is doing is wrong in terms of the exploitation of the finances or the sexual inappropriate behavior with members because the leader has so much power and so much authority members uh, often do not want to come forward and to say what they're seeing do you ever find because of how we view leaders within the church that sometimes they get away a little bit with that ultimate leader um, persona because there's so much onus on respecting the leader, submitting to the leader in different right. teachings right. that mm-hmm. they're they're God anointed in a yes. lot of ways. There, mm-hmm. God has called them to ministry. Right. Those we hear those Christianese terms a lot. So when someone's saying, "Well, God called me to this," sometimes that 
can be difficult to engage with if you don't have the right words. Yes, yes. And so, if you're feeling that as the leader is somehow uh, is infallible or above above criticism because they're called to that position by God, then it makes it very difficult to challenge whatever that leaders say. And in some in some cases, people are exploited financially. They are made to give above their means as a way of supporting the religious religious objectives of the leader. And I think this is abusive because many people that I have seen and have counseled. Uh, some of these people are, are, are have put themselves in financial hardship as a result of the pressures that are put on them to meet the financial objectives of the leadership. And I think one dangerous uh, a doctrine that has that has caused a lot of suffering in Christian circle is the sowing of a seed where people are told that if you if you plant a seed in terms of money it's not in terms of acts of kindness or service usually but if you plant a seed by giving a certain amount of money then God is going to multiply that money tenfold and don't get me wrong I'm not saying that God doesn't honor giving and that people should not give but I think when you make it like a, a formula where as if you give X you're going to get X times 2 or X times 10 it becomes very dangerous and leads to leads to spiritual abuse. One case that I know of, the the gentleman, the, the, the young man who had just gotten his student loan money to 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 go to school, sowed a seed of the entire amount of the proceeds that was to be his tuition, in the hope that it was going to be multiplied back to him before. Uh, the school begin because of the hype that was taking place in the congregation at the time and of on the principle that if you sow, you're going to get it back. So as a result of that, he put himself in debt, became very depressed because now he could not enter school. He did not have the prospect of a job. And it just became this very this very stressful situation for him. So in his case, he felt that he was doing something that the leaders wanted him to do because they were talking about sowing and trusting and having faith and willing to, you know, putting yourself before others. And yes, the Bible uh, talks about all of those things, but I think there is an extreme that we can take these things. And when, when we put pressure on people to partake in these sort of practices, where they're they're under compulsion to give, then I think it becomes sinful because Paul, uh, in talking about giving, said it should not be under compulsion. Giving should be done voluntary and not by compulsion. What other characteristics can be seen in organizations or congregations where there's a high risk or cell groups or all of the above. Basically, when people of faith get together as human beings that have messy baggage, what puts it at risk for creating an environment where spiritual abuse can occur or foster? I think uh, when you have a leader in in these organizations that is very insecure or narcissistic or paranoid, these kind of uh, these kind of traits by the leaders can lead to a lot of spiritual abuse to the members. So, if someone is narcissistic, then it's very possible that the members' needs 
and uh, desires are going to take second place to what the leaders want. And it's not uncommon to have uh, large churches that have taken a certain path, not because the majority of the members wanted to take that path or because it is in the best interest of the church, but in many cases it's because of the the narcissism of the leader. Like he think this would look good on his resume or she think it would look good on her resume. And so they take these these paths and then uh, in some cases the after long after that leader is gone, the members who have who have who have uh sowed their sweat and 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 tears and their finances have had to be left picking up the pieces because they 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 had someone who was very narcissistic and sometimes it can be insecurity as well where because I'm insecure everything has to be better bigger shinier than everyone else's because I have to I am concerned about my image and building up my image and don't get me wrong I'm I don't think that there's necessarily anything wrong in having big, beautiful buildings. But I think there is a way that this can be done by insecure leaders that can, that can, uh, the, the way it is done that is not reflected, it does not reflect the, the will or the wishes of the majority of the congregation, but it has been fueled by the narcissistic or insecurity of the, the leaders. If you've just joined us, you're listening to the Life Transformation Show. Today we are talking about spiritual abuse. If you missed the first half of today's show, we encourage you to listen to it on our website at elamcounselingministry.com. Elam is spelled E-L-I-M, counseling with two L's, ministry.com. Or you can always give us a call at 1-877-544-3546. Again, that number is one 544 3546 and we'd be happy to give you a copy of today's show. So, Michael, you were just discussing a little bit about some of the qualities a leader can possess. Um, you talked about narcissism and insecurity. Are there any other signs that a leader may be insecure? I think uh, some leaders are prone to paranoia because of uh, it could be a, a, an off, offshoot of the insecurity that they have. But some leaders are very paranoid, and so anyone who speak up is seen as a threat. Anyone who has a different point of view from their point of view is made to feel not welcomed or are given or are are seen to are seen in a negative light, and this can be as a result of paranoia because they're so insecure that they feel that I have to have this strong hold onto power because if I al- allow any kind of different voice than my voice, then I am in some kind of danger of losing my position. So that can lead to abuse because well-meaning members who have a lot to contribute are victimized or are made to feel that that they're trying to take over the organization if they asked to share or to do anything that is not on the agenda of the leader. Yeah, it seems very protectionistic. Yes. They're trying to protect themselves. What other things do you see in abusive groups in terms of how they're structured or even how they try to control things? How does that play out? I think a very common uh, trait of of 
religious group is where there's a lot of manipulation and control. And so for manipulation and control, it can take the form of even how people dress, what kind of things people are supposed to wear, and so uh, or what kind of things they're supposed to listen to or not listen to. So it becomes very legalistic. And members who who don't fit into these rigid uh, lifestyle choices are made to feel that they're they're somehow sinning or they're not living up to what God would want them to do. So manipulation and control can also be in the sense of very rigid, very, very, uh, very, very demanding expectation of members, where members are not just expected to give above and beyond what they can afford, but they're also told uh, through sermons and teaching that they are to put the interests of the church above their own personal uh, life goals or goals of their family. So a lot of these members end up separating themselves, segregating themselves from their families and from and from close friends or even from business colleagues because everything is now centered around their life in the church and the other areas, the other relationship in their life suffer as a result of that. The other piece that I think is interesting from manipulation and control is how people misuse scripture. Right. And good biblical teaching as a way to exert control mm-hmm. inappropriately. Yes, yes. Because as a Christian, that is a real mess with your mind when someone throws that at you because it's mm-hmm. a conflict with who you are as a person. Yes. And oftentimes you leave that conversation feeling like you're the one who's wrong and you're shamed because you're not doing what God says. When in reality, they're misusing or misquoting scripture consciously or not as a way of controlling you. Yes, this is one of the first comments that we got on our Facebook page. And if you if you haven't been to our Facebook page, I encourage you to go there and read some of these comments for yourself because there are tons of interesting comments and interesting articles as well. One of the first comments we got on this topic was from Judy, who said, when, when asked to share her experience of spiritual abuse, Judy said uh, someone who used the Bible to suppress her instead of as a starting point for a loving discussion. So one of the forms of spiritual abuse is just that that you have said where the Bible and Scripture is used to shut you up and to make you feel that you don't have a point and it's used as a kind of a weapon instead of of, of, of a loving loving base from which to start a discussion. And so I think uh, things like that can be very, very, very... uh, very, very traumatizing for the person who, who has to put up with this in a congregation. And sometimes it's spiritual abuse can take place in a marriage as well, where women are told that they need to submit. And so you want to have a discussion of a certain issue, but there is no discussion because you should just submit. And you, in many cases, wives know that they, the, the path that your husband is taking is a wrong path. And it's, it's, it's not based on biblical principles, but the Bible is used to shut them up and to make them feel that they shouldn't be be objecting to what is being done. What about members who are in a situation who start to question things and maybe even consider leaving or questioning things that are being said? How 
can how they're responded to by leaderships or members of the church indicate maybe there's some some bad stuff going on and risk for spiritual abuse? Is yes. there a, a theme in terms of how people react to them? Well, I think uh, in abusive churches or abusive cell groups even, when someone leaves that group, they are ostracized and they are made to they are seen in a negative light uh they they are not spoken to anymore they are not reached out to and uh they are they are viewed with suspicion as if there is something spiritually wrong with them why they are no longer a part of the group uh, and in many cases they are they are seen as someone who had backslidden from the faith or 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 have turned their back against Christ but we should keep in mind that just because someone is not is not going to your group doesn't mean that they have left Christ, doesn't mean that they have le- left the church, because uh, Christ's church is bigger than any one religious organization. So I see people who are really suffering because they have lost friends, they have stopped going to church, and people that a certain church and people that they have known for twenty or thirty years, who they thought were good friends, stop talking to them because of that, and so they they are made to be seen as outsiders. So that is a form of spiritual abuse because what you're actually doing is that you're punishing a person uh, because they are no longer a part of your group. But I I would say. Uh, that we need to 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 consider what being a shepherd is, because I think as spiritual leaders we are called to be shepherd, and a shepherd just doesn't care about the sheep when it's in the flock. The shepherd cares about that sheep even when it strays outside of the flock. So leaders who are not spiritually abusive, even after that sheep goes outside of the flock, there still shows an interest. They still want to know that the sheep has been fed, even if they're in another congregation. But insecure leaders will see this as a blow to their ego and will take this as a personal insult that the person is no longer in in their flock. Now, it's interesting how Jesus dealt with that, because in John 6, verse 66, which I call the 666 of the Bible, uh, where we're, it's not, not, is it John 6? Yeah, John 666. Or Mark Ma- 9, Mar- 38. <laughs> no, there's another passage here as well, but there's one in in John 666 where the, the Jesus had just preached about being the bread of life. Mm. And the, the disciples, some of the, the Bible tells us that some of these disciples left him. And then, uh, he, he turned to the other disciples and said, are you going to leave too? And Peter said to him, Lord, where shall we go? We have no one else to turn to. And so in that passage, uh, we see that Jesus didn't chastise those who have left him. He wasn't insecure because he was losing followers. He focused his attention on talking to, having a dialogue with those who are there about how they felt about about him. And we also see this played out in the verse I, I had mentioned there, Mark nine thirty eight, where right. Jesus makes, again, a comment to the disciples who are looking at another group doing mm-hmm. miracles in Jesus' name and kind of yes. saying, look over there, they're doing that. that. That can't be right. They're doing miracles in your name. Right. And Jesus basically says, well, if they're for us, then they're not against us. Right. And mm-hmm. 
And that's why I love when you describe the church as the church globally. Like we, I think as Christians sometimes get caught up in denominations and all those different things. And we forget that it's God's church and it's bigger than a congregation on a street somewhere or a religious denomination somewhere. It's so much bigger than that. Yes. And I I think one of the the things that is very, very hard for me to see is people who who turn up, and as I said before, they're having a post-traumatic stress symptoms because of how the anxiety and fear that they're having because they have left a certain denomination, like uh, in in one denomination, uh, no longer around, but many years ago, people were made to feel that if they left that denomination, they were going to hell because that was the only only church on the planet where where people were actually going to be saved. And so people, even long after leaving, still question their faith still question whether or not they can be forgiven by God. And they carry emotional scars that 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 people with with emotional trauma carry. And so spiritual abuse can be a very damaging thing to individuals. Are there any final thoughts you want to leave with us, Michael, about this topic? I think it's important for us to understand that it is happening in our churches. It is happening in very different ways. And I think one area in which this abuse takes place very common now is in the area of mental health. Because there are people in churches who have mental health issues and they are being abused because they are told that they have, they have demons and that there are, there are things uh, there's something wrong with them and that they're sinning and that they don't have faith. And I think that's a, that's abusive. And so if you're not familiar with what mental health is, then you should get training. Reach out and get training about what mental health, what, what is mental health issues, what it looks like, so you don't go around thinking that people are demon-possessed because they're having mental health challenges. In one of the comments on our Facebook page, uh, this lady writes, she says, her spiritual abuse that was done to her, I just read it, my spiritual abuse that was done to me was being yelled at pushed in my stomach and grabbed by the neck to try to get a demon out of me. It was quite traumatic because it involved someone I trusted. So I think uh, people sometimes can be well meaning in what they're doing to help others, but they cause a lot of damage. And so it is important for us uh, to to see the to be educated so that we don't perpetuate these kinds of abuse. And so, to my word uh, to leaders who are listening, would be in in closing that it's very important for us to educate our our congregation about the dangers of spiritual abuse and to make sure that we as leaders are not perpetuating it because we are narcissistic, insecure, or paranoid. Thank you so much, Michael, for exploring this topic. Again, I know I've learned a lot. I hope you as who have been listening today have learned as well. And if you happen to have missed part of today's show or want to listen to it again, go to our website at elamcounselingministry.com. Elam is spelled E-L-I-M, counseling with two L's, ministry.com, or call us at 1-877-544-3546. And we do want to make an announcement as well about an upcoming healing retreat for people. Um, we're putting the bug out there. These are retreats that fill up quite quickly for those of you who've been with us for a while. No. So Michael, when is this healing retreat? Where is it? And how can people get more information? 
Our next healing retreat will be on the weekend of June 8 to 10, 2018, and it will be at the Lanark Providence Point, Providence Point in Lanark. And yes, as usual, it's going to be a small group. We are inviting only 12 guests. So if you would like to be a part of this retreat, then give us a call at 1-877-544-3546. Or you can register on our website at elamcounselingministry.com. So again, don't wait until May to register because these retreats, they fill up very quickly and we'll be taking the first 12 people to register. To find out more, go to our website at elamcounselingministry.com. So until next time, this is your host, Michael Hart of Elam Counseling Ministry, thanking you very much for listening and praying that God would bless you in all your relationships and to keep you sound in mind and pure in heart.